This is Cardinal Francis George. I invite you to join me for the next few minutes to reflect with Father Robert Barron on the Word of God, which is the Word on Fire. Word on Fire Catholic Ministries is a nonprofit ministry at the forefront of Catholic evangelization, using new media to spread the faith on every continent. Father Barron challenges us to open our hearts to the Word on Fire, which is God's Word of love for each of us. If our hearts are open, the Lord can change and transform us so that we might speak with love about the one who is love. The global benefactors of Word on Fire, with the support of the Archdiocese of Chicago, now present Word on Fire. Peace be with you. Friends, we come once again to this holy season of Lent, this time of purification and of spiritual clarification. How important this is. We find versions of Lent in practically every great spiritual tradition. Think of Ramadan among the Muslims. Times when we have to find out in the deepest sense who we are. Times of denial, of temptation and trial. Times when we force ourselves up against it so we can discover who we are at the deepest level. Blaise Pascal, the great Catholic theologian, talked about divertissement, diversions or distractions. He said, most of us spend most of our lives distracting ourselves from the great questions. Who is God? Who are we? What does God want? What is eternal life? How do I avoid going to hell? How do I get to heaven? These great questions, they're so overwhelming that we distract ourselves. Lent is the time when we set divertissement aside, diversions. See, that's why we fast. That's why we give up things. That's why we simplify our lives. That's why we pray and fast and give alms. Not just because, well, that's difficult and I'll try to challenge myself. They're meant to set aside the diversions so that we can look with a kind of brutal honesty at how we are doing vis-a-vis God. And we imitate the Lord himself, who is led, we hear, by the Holy Spirit into the desert to be tempted by the devil. Every first Sunday of Lent, every year of the cycle, we read a story of Jesus' temptation. The church is saying it's very important for us now to enter into the same space as Jesus, Notice, please, that he's led by the Holy Spirit to be tempted by the devil. This is a holy time, not a punishment. It's the Holy Spirit that led him and will lead us to be tempted. You discover a lot about yourself when you're tempted, don't you? You learn a lot about yourself when you're tried and tested. We'll use that language, you know, of a a sports star or of a, of a young uh, politician. He's untested. He's not been tried yet. So Jesus and we have to be tested. Look around the cultures of the world. They almost all have something like this in store for their young people, some trial that will push them to the limits 
and force them to come to terms with who they really are. Think of all those initiation rituals in, in primal cultures. We have our own versions of them too, don't we? Well, this is Jesus now in the desert. Before he launches into his public life, he'll be pushed by the Holy Spirit to the limits. He will feel the deepest temptations that we all feel. Temptations, now listen, to get off the beam. To be drawn away from the true source of life. To be distracted from our mission. What's that mission? Same as Jesus, since we participate in him. The mission is to be a conduit of the divine love to the world. To be a means by which God's love surges into his creation. That's always the mission. The saints couldn't be more different in their personalities and styles and backgrounds, but they always have that in some form. To be a conduit of God's love to the world. But, listen now, in order to do this, we have to resist certain fundamental temptations. Jesus faced the same thing. The letter of the Hebrews says that he was tested in every way that we are. So even though he's the son of God, he feels these temptations. The temptations are always to gratify, however briefly, the ego so as not to fulfill the mission. Who are you? Who am I? We've got to be followers of Jesus who goes into the desert and discovers the truth about himself. So, here's the first temptation. It's laid out very clearly. He ate nothing in those days, and when they were over, he was hungry. The devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, command this stone to become bread. Okay, he's been pushed to the limit. This is, again, similar to a lot of the initiation rituals of primal peoples. He's been pushed. He's eaten nothing for 40 days. He's famished. Desperate, even. You know what's interesting? When you get really hungry, you can act very much out of character, can't you? Be the nicest person in the world. But when you're hungry, first you're cranky, and you're a little difficult. And if you're really pushed, you can get desperate. I mean, someone who's good, basically decent person, but they're good as long as they're well-fed. But when they're pressed, they're pushed. They find out who they really are. And so Jesus hears this temptation. Mind you, not just to satisfy himself for a moment, but rather the temptation to base his life upon the satisfaction of his bodily desires. Now, if he does this, what happens? He will not be consistently a conduit of the divine grace. If he does this, he says, my life is finally about sensual pleasure, then God's love will not flow through him consistently to the world. He has to be able to say that even when he's hungry for his own bodily satisfaction, he will not let that dominate, but will let the love of the Father dominate. How do you know this is true in your own life? You've got to be tested. 
you got to be tried. You know, to make this clearer, think of the example of a young man who's preparing to be a father for the first time. Say he's a young guy and he's led his life pretty much, um, you know, seeking his own pleasure. He realizes now as a child comes into the world, he's got to let go of his bachelor ways. He can't say anymore that sensual satisfaction is, is the center of his life. No, no, that's got to that's take second, third, fourth place to his duty to his child. So Jesus has to know his life is about being a conduit of God's love. Next temptation is also bluntly presented. Then he took him up and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a single instant. The devil said to him, I shall give to you all this power and glory if you worship me. Oh, there's another very powerful distraction. The temptation here is to worldly glory and power. Think of Tolkien's great ring in The Lord of the Rings was a ring of power, wasn't it? How seductive that is. He shows him all the kingdoms of the world, which, by the way, belong to him. It's very telling in Luke's version. All the kingdoms of the world belong to the devil. What are the devil's two great names? One of them is used here in this story. His two great names are Hosatanas and Hodiabolos. Hosatanas means the accuser. Hodiabolos means the scatterer. What's being said here? How powerful it is. At the heart of all worldly power is accusation and division. Is that true? <laughs> Look around. Look around. Almost all forms of human society governance are based upon these twin moves. A tremendous temptation for Jesus was to use his messianic authority to gain worldly power, to become a king who accuses and divides and conquers. But if he had given into this, he would not be consistently a conduit of the divine grace. If he had done that, he'd be remembered today, perhaps at best, as one of the governors of Syria or a satrap of Babylon, some low-level power broker. See, Jesus was going after a much bigger game. He wanted to be the one through whom the divine love would surge into creation. And so he says to Satan, you shall worship the Lord your God. Him alone shall you serve. Again, think of that young father preparing to take care of his first uh, child. What if he allowed a lust for power to dominate him? He'd be a lousy father, wouldn't he? If he allowed that to dominate his concerns. Then the final temptation. Then he led him to Jerusalem, made him stand on the parapet of the temple and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down from here, for it's written, He will command his angels to guard you. Now, this is a somewhat more subtle affair. The first two temptations were straightforward enough to sensual power, sensual pleasure rather, and power. But this third one is more elusive. It is the temptation to use God, to manipulate God instead of becoming God's servant. It's 
very important. Subtle, subtle, but all of us sinners are tempted this way. Notice the one who would pull such a trick. I'm going to leap off the temple, confident that God will hold me up, is in the driver's seat vis-a-vis God. He's not obeying, he is commanding. He's trying to manipulate God so as to uh, prove his own worth. This is the temptation to self-deification. One, again, that all of us sinners are very susceptible to, making ourselves the center of the universe. That's why I think in Luke's version, this is the final and most powerful temptation. Turning yourself into God. My life revolves around me. My life revolves around my needs. Even God will serve me. But Jesus resists this with that wonderful line, you shall not put the Lord your God to the test. You don't test God. God tests you. You don't manipulate God. God uses you for his purposes. If you want to be a conduit of the divine love to the world, the last thing you can do is turn yourself into God. And so he resists all three temptations. And now he's ready for mission. But you know, this gospel passage ends ominously enough. Listen, when the devil had finished every temptation, he departed from him for a time. It's telling, isn't it? He'll be back, and we see that in the gospel. He's back frequently, finally on the cross itself. These temptations will return to us throughout our lives again and again, often at key moments. They will invite us to know who are we who are we be ready for them and God bless you I hope you were moved today by the word on fire I pray that together we might become a people on fire with love for God and neighbor here in Chicago and wherever these words are heard until we join Father Barron again next week I'm Cardinal Francis George and I pray that God will bless you and those you love Father Robert Barron is combating the crisis of faith in our culture. Father Barron's expanded website can deepen your faith, give you new insights into scriptures, and help you become a better Christian. Go to wordonfire.org and tap into Father Barron's compelling videos, sermons, articles, and much more. Wordonfire.org. Connect with one of the Catholic Church's best messengers. Every day, everywhere. Wordonfire.org. Connect with one of the Catholic Church's best messengers every day, everywhere.